0: Hello, and welcome to Network to Code on Network Collective, where our focus is on all things network automation. Over the past few years, there's been an absolute explosion in open source tools being used in the networking domain. The most popular projects are usually formally backed by large organizations, manufacturers, and even venture backed startups. This is where we've seen and used tools such as Salt by SaltStack, Ansible by now, Red Hat, and IBM, and even the venture backed startups, companies like Intentionet with projects such as Batfish. However, there's rapidly growing projects that are fundamentally backed by individuals and contributors and ultimately the community itself. And so among those popular platforms and and projects are Netmiko, Napalm, Nornir, NTC templates. Now, there's a newer one I became aware of recently called Netpalm. And Netpalm is pretty unique in terms of what it does. I'm looking forward to talking to uh, the lead Uh, Author and maintainer of NetPalm today. So I'm joined by uh, Tony Nealon, who's the creator of NetPalm. So on this episode, we're gonna dive into Tony's backgrounds, talk about NetPalm, understand what it is and why it was developed, and overall, talk about the use cases that NetPalm solves. Now to kick things off, Tony, first off, welcome uh, to the show. Now, would you mind providing a brief introduction to to who you are and what you do? Sure.
1: Thanks for having me, Jason. Um, So I'm Tony Nealon, uh, Tech Lead uh, OSS at a smallish service provider in New Zealand. Um, So we do uh, Layer 2, Layer 3 carrier Ethernet, VPN services, fiber, and internet. Um, I spend my days uh, architecting and implementing solutions in the OSS domain, so things like uh, NMS, orchestrators, order, fault, and inventory management systems, and I'm currently focused on building a team um, who, whose sole purpose is to transform the way um, we we do our OSS and also the way we, we operate our networks.
0: That's great. So specifically, it's, you mentioned that you're Focused on OSS. Now, has that always been a strategy for for where you are? Or has there been a shift in mindset with tooling in general as you approach operations?
1: Yeah. So for me, I kind of started out um, humble beginnings. Like initially, in my uh, early on in my career, I started off in the the help desk, and sort of curiosity kind of led me into to networking, and then kind of. Uh, curiosity again led me into um, to VoIP and then into um, OSS. So, I think for me personally, it, it's really been driven by by curiosity my entire career, and I've sort of ended up um, I, I, I sort of ended up as a, an OSS architect for a while, and now I've kind of moved into more of a, a, a team leader type
0: role. Got it. So it's interesting, you know, I think for one, you mentioned you're from, from New Zealand, which, which is great. And I think as you can attest, it made getting this scheduled, you know, a bit more, a bit more challenging. It's quite early where I am quite late, where, where you are, but even, you know, titles sometimes are, are a bit different when we, when we go across the world. So just even, you know, as an OSS architect, I guess, what, what does that, you know, what does that, you know, mean, mean to you for what you do day to day?
1: Yeah, so um, we're a service provider. So um, OSS basically is the the network facing tools. So um, as an architect um, here, uh, you're, you're basically responsible for um, uh, architecting the solutions and implementing them. So you know, down in New Zealand, we've got a, a sort of a mantra of, of just getting it done. So I think you kind of end up wearing sort of a lot of different hats a lot of the time. So, you know, as quite often architects are sort of, they sort of sit away in their ivory towers, just kind of linking boxes together and, you know, pumping out HLDs. But down here, we, we not only have to do that, but we also have to deal with the, the problem of implementing it as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so I guess, you know, walk me through, you know, let's call it the past, the past couple of years with, with your day to day in, in operations uh, now as an architect with, you know, all the tools that emerged in, 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 the show, when the show started, you know, kind of rattled off platforms like NetMiko and Napalm. So I guess, you know, were you actively using those tools? Were you seeing a need to, to extend those tools kind of, you know, what was that like in your in your world down under.
1: Yeah, so um, we've got a sort of a large network um, that's predominantly driven by humans. So you know, people punching text into green screens type thing is sort of the normal for us. So I think native uh, naturally we sort of fell into using. Um, initially, it was actually like Perl scripts to you know pull a lot of data from the network and push push a lot of data. Back in, we'd kind of tried some of the um, the off the shelf type products that were out there, and they just weren't flexible enough to do what we needed to do. So um, we kind of ended up falling back on uh, open source uh, libraries, and I think uh, we we started off with Perl, and then uh, Paramiko sort of came about, and then and then it was Netmiko and Napalm, and we sort of just followed those kind of tools. Um, using uh using them for yeah ad hoc mostly ad hoc tasks um yeah at 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 the uh, normal
0: okay all right cool so just to kind of in a you know, recap too you know you know right now as we mentioned some of these platforms you know if they are new we have paramiko which is a a python based ssh library and netmiko which is essentially a wrapper for paramiko that understands a bit more about networking, logging into devices, understanding prompts and things like that and you know netmiko being solely focused on ssh is good to remember because napalm is a wrapper for netmiko but also a wrapper for other libraries which is more of a multi-platform multi you know best of breed api library to communicate to devices to both manage configurations and and uh, you know r- retrieve data in a unified way from networking devices so th- so these platforms um, exist in in uh, the open source community now th- those exist and i guess what where did where did you go from there as you know testing you know platforms or projects like netmiko and napalm i guess what what was the motivation then to to you know go go create napalm
1: <laughs> okay so <laughs> The story about NetPalm is actually a bit of a crazy one, um, and like I'd been using NetMiko, Paramiko, Napalm, you know, a, a lot at the time. This was this was back in 2015 when um, there was kind of like a, a, a sort of a, a kind of a industry shift. People were talking about um, that was kind of happening. So you know, everyone was hyping up these SDN controllers. Um, and how you know the control plane was going to be decoupled from the forwarding plane, and um, and that network network operations was essentially going to change. And and here I was, you know, punching out scripts and Python and Perl and things like that to sort of operate these devices over the uh, the CLI. And so I started. I, I became quite interested in this kind of concept of SDN and started kind of experimenting at home. Um, with it. So I set up like a mini net lab and started to really s- sort of get my hands stuck in. And I, quite quickly, I realized like, how would you actually implement this in production? There was too many kind of fundamental problems that you had to sort of re- uh, almost reinvent, uh, reinvent solutions for that, you know, routing protocols had sort of spent like 20 to 30 years kind of maturing and solving those issues. So um I sort, of, I sort of was a bit kind of disappointed about that. But at the same time as all this was happening, I was kind of observing like real disruption happening um, to IT with things like infrastructure as a service. Um, and I mean, I really started to think about, you know, why is it that um, IT is being disrupted like that and, and networks aren't? And then what is it about uh, that disruption that's kind of driving this um, this this Disruption. So, like if you consider cloud, um, I think there's some kind of key principles that underpin it that sort of, um, yeah, that sort of have sort of helped fuel the fire. So, things like on demand self service, elasticity, resource pooling, you know, those are the things that people didn't used to get from IT before cloud. So, it kind of really puts the power in, in the people who need its hands. And I sort of started to think, well, with a network, how do you get any of that? Because, you know, there's a lot of domain specialization and sort of complicated interfaces into the devices. And, you know, there's their own, networking's got its own challenges as well. It's, you know, it's, it's an on-prem infrastructure. Um, but getting back to NetPalm, I sort of, Looked at these challenges and said, Well, what if I could build something for a network that enabled it to give those characteristics? So, you know, what about if I could give a network device an API where you could sort of create some website and you could control that device but know nothing about it? So you could smash the website and the device would just um, synchronously do whatever it was told to do from the website effectively the user couldn't of the site couldn't break the device so i kind of saw that as a challenge and sort of went home and and built something sort of looking at what was out there today and how i could sort of cobble together a solution to do that and i kind of came up with like the first version of netpalm um and i sort of showed a few people at work and said hey have a look at this and it was all cool and then i sort of put it away um in a drawer for for a few years. And then I was working on another kind of home experiment, deploying like a a Kubernetes cluster. And I was um, a few years later and I was thinking, oh, what can I run in a container? Like it'd be really cool if if I was running my own apps. And then I thought, hey, hang on, what about if I get get out this old uh, NetPalm thing? And at the time it, it wasn't called NetPalm, it was just some hacky script thing. And then I, I I did that and I was kind of showing someone at work and they said hey this you should open source this and I thought me that's crazy but then I thought hey what what have I got to lose so I, you know put it out there <laughs> lots of late nights later here I am so I think to yeah to sort of summarise it, it it kind of formed from a problem I could see at my day job and. And I kind of observed like a, a problem across the wider interest uh, the wider inter- industry but um it quickly evolved into like almost like a hobby
0: yeah no that that's great and it's it's funny you know I think I, I've publicly stated a couple times where back in 2015 I was seeing similar things and and I've never really talked about it but probably went down a path you know, probably way more primitive to what you've built today, but around, you know, building out a, a controller with a unified CLI, unified API and, and so forth. So, so yeah, I guess the backstory is great. So that, that's great to hear sort of, you know, what, you know, what, what the motivations were, but could you break it down for us? Like what, what would be the elevator pitch on, on NetPalm? Like what would actually, what actually is it? And What is, what is the, the interaction between these libraries such as NetMico and napalm
1: Okay, hold on. Let me just shine my shoes. Okay. (laughs) So so
0: basically NetPalm, um,
1: the way to think about it is it's like an API platform for network devices. So it gives you the ability to create um, abstracted kind of scalable APIs to interface with your devices. Um, I've tried to build it as more of like a platform-style um, tool so that it encourages users to, 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 to do their own customizations to extend it. So you can um, uh, pull in your own uh, Ginger 2 templates for rendering config. You can write your own service templates. You can bring your own webhooks, um, text FSM templates, scripts, and so forth. So um, on top of that, um, I've tried to adopt more of a, a plug-in style architecture. So if, if you know those, those things I mentioned before weren't enough, um, you can go and extend it uh, yourself. So one way to think of NetPalm is it basically gives you a way to tell your network to do things or tell your network to tell you something in a web-friendly way.
0: So is it, is it safe to say, you know, if we look at NetMiko as an example, as an SSH library, traditionally it's used to create Python scripts. Now, it doesn't change the building of those scripts per se, but you know is it is it more about execution of those programmatically via HTTP?
1: Yeah. So when you look at things like NetMiko, Napalm, NTC, templates, and the likes, you know, those are probably the most widely used tools out there for interfacing with network devices so i really wanted to build on top of that but what happens is when you kind of start off your automation journey everyone starts off building these little scripts and then after a while realizes well how do i actually link those into things you know i've got a cmdb how do i link that into that how do i link it into a web page where someone can go on there and control that script so what netpalm tries to do is sort of build on top of those libraries uh, that the open source community has generously built but also provide that kind of middleware layer so that you can plug in other applications into your network
0: cool cool that no, sounds uh, sounds great and you mentioned you know, during during the process you know somebody had mentioned to you that you should open source it. And, you know, so I have to ask, you know, is this, so right now, you know, as it is, it is open source, does the, you know, is this, is this a personal project? Is it being used in the day job? You know, are, are they, are they supportive? Just where, where are you at in in that journey?
1: Um, so I think it's, we're not using it in production at, at my day job. So we are kind of using, uh, I would say commercial equivalents. Um, Had had I had NetPalm kind of in its current form, I guess it it probably would have been a tougher decision between the commercial equivalents and um, and this tool, given the types of investments you've got to make to actually get those commercial equivalents. Um, But I think the day job kind of helps me in different ways. So indirectly, it's contributing. You know, I'm seeing problems out there Um, that people are having and I'm sort of thinking about, well, how do those problems apply to the industry? And then I'm looking at, you know, how how are we building stuff with these commercial platforms and then what is it in the open source world that can do that? So when you look at um, things like NetPalm, I I don't think there's a lot out there today which provides a similar um, capability in the open source world. Um, I think you, you get a lot more kind of point solutions
0: And so, so it's interesting, you know, right now, you know, when we look at, I would say some of the primitives, you know, we'll say down within Python constructs using these libraries, you know, I would agree. What, what is your, what, what is your opinion around platforms like Ansible? Ansible continues to do, to do well. And, you know, there, there's, you can make the argument that you can write a playbook, you know, it creates some abstraction uh, that, that could be used to, Simplify Operations. So, you know, what is your perspective from, you know, what you've seen in general versus, you know, the need for uh, for NetPalm?
1: So I think Ansible itself is like a really good tool. You know, there's a lot of modules out there and it's got a lot of support. Um, where I think NetPalm's different is it's got that real domain focus on networking. So the vision I have is you can kind of carve off your network with NetPalm, provide that API to tools like Ansible, which, in theory, hopefully, should simplify your playbooks.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I would say I, w- I would agree. Having a, a network-first API, you know, sounds amazing. Now, you know, I would say, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility to then own own communication to to networking devices. So, but you know, ultimately, you know, I think it sounds. Uh, it you know, sounds pretty neat.
1: Yeah, I mean what it's it's still a, it's still an early project. it's, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit rough around the edges at the moment. But I think you know with time and with the right amount of people
0: using it, it will just continue to to get better and better. Yeah. So talk about I guess to the we haven't talked about the dates. I guess how long how long has it been open sourced?
1: Ah, uh, that's a good question. I, I I think I sort of I've done a few I'll, I'll call them sprints where. <laughs> I kind of um, get really into it for 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 a month or two and then get really over it <laughs> just because, um, you know, with family life and all of that, it's a bit hard to try to uh, juggle it all. So I think, like, if I was to sort of be honest with myself, I've probably spent, you know, two to three months kind of working on it as an open source project. It has been available for longer, but there's just been periods where I actually haven't done anything at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've noticed over the past several weeks, you know, the, the tweets that come out uh, sporadically and, and still looks like, you know, there's some great work going on. So it's, uh, again, always good to see. And so as we look at Ansible and we look at you know, NetPalm, you can different use cases and, and uh, you know, again, so NetPalm would be the API that's used to communicate to devices. So, uh, you know, higher level orchestrators and platforms who would use uh, the NetPalm API to communicate to devices. And you know, then, what always comes up in, in networking too is all more platforms today. I would say in production don't support APIs, right? So this is why plat, you know projects like Netmiko and Apom are still um, so popular. Now, what what are you what What is your opinion around you know the shift towards APIs on networking devices? You know if it is. RESTful APIs on devices, uh, RESTconf on certain platforms, and with some of those APIs being model-driven where they can return return uh, data, how does that, does that, you think that changes anything with regards to, to NetPalm or does that just open the door to more plugins and drivers under the covers?
1: Yeah, so I think with that, Shift happening. Um, I can. I, I think it does definitely make it easier. Like you get a more reliable transport layer, for example, with dealing with all the nuances of SSH and Telnet. But um, there's also still quite a lot of uh, specialization in those APIs. You know, if you handed a, a, a Yang, uh, sorry, a RESTCONF interface to some random developer, he's not going to know the first thing about it because it's all kind of uh, specialized around uh, networking and network devices. So one of the things you can do with NetPalm is kind of abstract a lot of that away and say, you know, make this work in the API and just have a Boolean true or false Um, and then translate that back down to, say, some RESTConf or some NetConf call to a device. Um, And so you can – I think – there's still going to be a need for it. You, you could shift that um, and carry that logic further north in your stack, but um, whether you should or shouldn't, I guess, is a debatable <laughs> point.
0: For sure, for sure. All right, cool. And so, you know, let's maybe you know bring it you know bring it up a notch as well. So, I guess, you know, what, what would you articulate as as key use cases? You know, are there use cases you would you would say at a higher level, you know, it seems like NetPalm could pretty much do anything you need to do on the network in terms of having uh, more uniform and simpler ways to make API calls across network device types. But h- how would you summarize the key use cases for NetPalm?
1: Yeah, so I think like, it's definitely not something you'd want to use with if you just needed a quick script to do something. Like, I think you, you're better off just just writing a script to do that. But if you start to like want to link things together, like you maybe you want to um, keep your CMDB up to date and have it reconcile on it on an automated basis, and you're pulling a whole bunch of state out of your network quite regularly, uh, things like NetPalm can definitely help. Um, other use cases would be. When you want to build uh, web GUIs for controlling your network, maybe you want to um, give certain users in your organization the ability to change something on the network and they don't understand what it is, you can build a, a kind of a function in NetPalm and expose that via the API. Um, and also, like, linking it into workflow automation tools. So when you've got things like Commander or something like Node-RED, um, and they... They don't necessarily like uh, running a lot of scripts if, if you can, just because, you know, you have to carry all those libraries back into those tools. Um, you can just simply expose an API from NetPalm to that tool and have that tool just just call it with REST. Um, so there's those those sort of use cases, which are the, the main ones. But uh, I think you can also start to look at things like closed-loop automation, so maybe your monitoring system when you get a certain type of alarm, you want to um, call a a service in NetPalm and and bounce uh, that, um, I don't know, bounce a port or flap a BGP pair or something like that. Um, the API allows you to sort of build those services and then also call uh, uh, webhooks after you've um, invoke the service and pass the result to to some other system. So there's definitely use cases uh, where you could 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 do that type of thing. Um, yeah, those are probably
0: the main. Um, ones. It makes a lot of sense, you know. I think you know going back to motivations, you know, looking at infrastructure as a service and things like that. That kind of drove some of the high level motivations. And even, you know, we've seen a lot of this in our day-to-day network code around API catalogs for for network resource consumption. And so, you know, on that note, we look at API catalogs and, you know, workflow tool management, closed loop automation, you know, it makes sense. And I think you alluded to creating a, a web UI as well. So just for clarity, that netpalm doesn't come with a web ui you're, you're, you're really getting an api that it's up to you to really decide how to best use that you know is that to create a web front end is it to create a catalog and so forth is that is that fair to say
1: uh, it's it's sort of a yes and no answer <laughs> so netpalm on its own does not come with an API at all it's it's solely a, a UI, a UI. Uh, sorry yeah a UI. yeah <laughs> it comes with an API um, and you know some documentation around that API for a while there i did go a little crazy and start building a um a wrapper for node red i don't know if you've used node red before from um ibm but it's basically like a workflow Tool, so I, I built some modules for that, and built like a net net palm flow skimmed skinned version of that. Um, but but yeah, I quite quickly abandoned that because I didn't have, have the time. But yeah, so so it's definitely I guess it's a no, but there there is options out there if you want some easy uh, e-
0: e- easy entry points into the the web UI world. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe we'll find some listeners out there. That are that are some web developers, and next thing you know, there'll be you know other other maintainers to help you out and to to build that out. Otherwise, APIs are still still dominating the world and still still pretty valuable, if you ask me. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah so I was gonna ask in terms of um, you know simplicity or just overall usability. I think taking a quick look at at the docs, it did look like that there were some. Containers as part of the repository to streamline getting started. You know what, what is the overall process to be able to, you know, make the first API call with NetPalm.
1: Yeah, so I guess what you need to do is you need to be running um, Docker on a ser- uh, on a machine, a Linux machine. Uh, you just download the the uh, the, lib- the code off GitHub, build it, and um, Docker Compose up, and off you go. Um, it'll spin up three containers. Uh, so there'll be uh, worker containers and a uh, controller and also a Redis database. Beautiful,
0: beautiful, mysticular for having things be simple, simple and reusable and Docker compose is, is one of our one of our best friends to get that going. So another, uh, another, uh, another big win there.
1: Yeah, so if, if you want to just get started simply, um, I've also got a public instance. Um, so you can get to that at uh, text, uh, bleh, sorry, it's uh, netpalm.tech. Um, and I wouldn't recommend using it on your, your own devices, but definitely use the, the public uh, devices from Cisco and you can sort of just have a play around with it and see how it works, um, look
0: at the API catalog and whatnot. Very cool. Take a look. So in terms of, you know, we've discussed, you know, quite a bit and everything from most recently, you know, having Docker Compose easily, you know, deploy and stand up multiple containers for, for NetPom, and then the actual creation of NetPom itself. So I guess, you know, if you look at your, your background and your career, I guess, can you talk about the transition? you know, a bit more around, you know, engineering operations to software development, you know, for one, do you consider yourself now a software engineer? Have you always been professionally trained in software? You know, what was that like for yourself?
1: Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't consider myself like a full-time developer or anything like that. For me, it's more of, I just like the challenge and the ability to keep learning. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's just something I've picked up along the way and found quite interesting because the problems seem to be, you know, a lot harder than the, the ones I've seen um, in networking. So, yeah, if, I guess for the last five years, it's just something I've just continued to, to work on because it's just, I, I think it's a well of, of interest
0: for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't, uh, couldn't agree agree more. No, it sounds you know, sounds great overall. You know, uh, and I think, it, you know, in general, that's, that's, you know, my personal focus, our, our focus in network to code is, is network automation. And, you know, there's so many great projects in you know, like NetPalm that are continue to emerge every day. And, uh, you know, there really isn't a, you know, better time to be in networking. And I'll say really more specifically network operations to be able to uh, look at the day-to-day management of, of infrastructure. Now, you know, so, you know, a few, a few parting, you know, parting questions that, you know, that I have to, have to ask, I guess, could you, you know, these are listeners, right? There's no, there's no screen sharing going on, but for, for the listeners, could you uh, talk through the logo for NetPalm and maybe even talk through what was the inspiration for, for the logo? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think there's any real logic behind the logo. I just Google image something random and that's what came up. And I thought it was Kind of cool, so.
0: <laughs> Which is what, what? What is the logo?
1: Oh, the logo itself is just a unicorn. oh there we go.
0: There we um, go. So yeah, uh, uh,
1: yeah. I just thought it was funny. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. It really. It, clearly, <laughs> there's a lot of you know a lot of unicorns going around within the community, and you know everyone, everyone, every organization is looking for unicorns to hire, unicorn tools to deploy and and you know for those that are on that search definitely you want to take a look at take a look at at Netpalm <laughs> so you know one one final question as we look at as we wind things down but where do you you know where do you uh, you know see Netpalm Netpalm going if you were to try to project and clearly this is sort of best case scenario given the balance clearly you know with uh, the day job and maybe even if, if there was more more contributors more maintainers you know if you if you do project forward you know, two to three years. What do you, what do you see as the best case scenario?
1: Yeah, like I, I think the pattern, the the pattern of using something like NetPalm is a tried and true pattern. Like I know, you know, cloud providers are using similar types of patterns internally to operate their networks, um, and I can also see like in, in big global bodies like the TM Forum, um, they're starting to to implement the concept of, of, uh, of network functions. Um, and it's essentially a similar thing. So I think that that pattern is here to stay and it will just become more and more predominant, um, you know, as time goes on. But I think, yeah, in regards to NetPalm, I guess it's, it's more demand driven as to how much time I can, I can continue to devote to it. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll just see how it goes and just keep, you know, making it better and (laughs) see
0: what happens, I guess. Awesome. No, it's great to hear, as can definitely attest. You know, sometimes, you know, creating the software, getting it out there is is phase one, arguably the easier phase. And if things go well, then definitely be looking for help from the community to help help continue to build and maintain and support, you know, all the other things that come along come along with that
1: yeah like the the sort of mantra i've used to develop this is like solve a problem and refactor later so i've i've kind of have having to be solve problems solve problems solve problems and then come back and refactor a whole bunch of stuff because i can't my philosophy is like if you if you can't solve the problem in the first place you could have the best code around but it's useless (laughs) so you have to have a, a balance along the way. but I think the end users a lot of the time they actually just don't care. They just want their their problems solved.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree, honestly, you know I, I say that every day where especially when you know when we're you know supporting customers and those customers could be internal customers, it could be users of your software, you know the most important thing early on is to solve solve problems. You know it's very difficult to justify months and months of work to write the best software. Meanwhile, most important thing is to solve some immediate problems, and then if it, if it actually solves those problems, then to be able to optimize and come back later. So, 100% agree. So on that note, we'll we'll wrap things up, Tony. You know, thank you so much for making the time. I know it's I know it's late uh, back home for uh, for where you are, and and yeah, for those that are that are listening, we'll put some. Links in the show notes for for NetPalm, uh, getting started, and some other things that we brought up, such as uh, NetPalm.tech, to see the active live instance of NetPalm as well. And so, until next time, we will see you on Network to Code on Network Collective. Uh, thanks everyone for listening.